0: Uh, We are, we're doing something a little, um, slightly different this morning, Uh, and what I mean by that is we're not, we're not going to not preach through scripture or anything like that, Um, but we've been, you know, we've been going through 2 Corinthians, we've we've paused it for a little bit to do names of God and and to understand him better, Um, and about a week ago, I was, for the first time, no clue what I was going to preach on. And I don't mean like there have been multiple times where God has changed the message Tuesday or Wednesday. So there have been times where I've been working Monday, I've been working Tuesday on the sermon and I'm feeling like I'm running into a block and it's like, okay, I I really need to pray about this, Lord. What am I supposed to preach on? And maybe we do something a little bit different, but kind of in the same vein. But what happened to me about a week ago was like nothing. I mean, we're talking, we're talking static, Like, you know, uh, back when, um, the TVs weighed like 300 pounds and you know, you're at your grandparents' house and you had to like walk up there and turn the dial and you'd get to the one that was just white noise. Like that's what it was. And, and, and it had never hit me before. It had never, it had never happened like that before. And so I reached out to my mentors. I've I've told you guys I believe very much in personal discipleship Uh, we should all have people who are discipling us so I reached out to the guys who disciple me who are are pastors with decades of experience and I'm like what's going on (laughs) right like what and they were like look in our experience they all said the same thing in different conversations which I thought was pretty cool but they were all like look in our experience there are times where God really is just kind of giving you a blank slate and he's like hey do like it's okay do something and, and so I'm like, okay, uh, what? Great, there's like a thousand different things I'd like to preach on. How do I know, right? Like when you don't, I mean, it'd be like if you got in the car to go somewhere, you didn't know you were going and you, you, know, you plug in the address to the GPS and it's just like, okay, drive in any direction, Well, couldn't I at least have one direction, like north, south, something? And these guys were like, I don't know, man. Sometimes it's just, it's open. And so pray, just pray. Uh, And so I I just started praying. I was like, okay, Lord, what do I do with this? And I really feel like in prayer, God um, brought me to something. And it it was more of, and this is where I say it'll be a little bit different, I honestly don't even know how to describe this. I'm basically just going to tell you what he's been teaching me personally over the last two years. Like we're just going to look at a verse that he has engraved on my heart over the last two years. Because I think there's sometimes, hopefully not, but I think sometimes there's a tendency to just, okay, well, Sam is always teaching. Sam is, no, 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 like Sam is always learning. Sam is always perpetually learning. And so I'm just going to share with you guys what I've been learning. Uh, over the last two and a half, three years. If it's relevant to any of you, fantastic. If you're like, nope, I knew that, kind of a bummer that Sam just figured it out over the last two years, like, please have patience with me. And uh, maybe this can be a reminder, right? Like. At the very least, this will give you guys a little bit of a, a glimpse into just where I've been over the last, when I say two and a half, it's probably about two and a half years. This, this verse has really been one that I've been just chewing on and, and meditating on and desiring to understand, desiring to live out, desiring to apply. Um, and we find it in, or we find our, our main passage in the Hall of Faith, Hebrews 11. But the verse that, that brings us to there, uh, this is possibly... This is definitely top three verses for me. Uh, Hebrew, or not Hebrews, we're going to be in Hebrews. Romans 4, 20 to 21. Talking about Abraham. And it says in Romans 4, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promises of God. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced God was able to do what he had promised. This was my phone background for about two years. This was my laptop background. This was on a note card. Like, I put this verse everywhere and have just desired that this verse would be imprinted on my heart and would be something that one day, today, yesterday, I, I, who knows when, right? But like, this was a verse. Like, like, you ever, when you're reading through the Bible and you're reading through a passage that you've read before, but all of a sudden a verse jumps out to you like it's a neon, like you're reading it for the first time. This is how it hit me a few years ago and I was like, man, I want this verse to be true of my life. I want this to be true of Sam. That no unbelief made me waver in my faith, but I grew strong in it as I gave glory to God, fully convinced that he was able to do what he promised. And so we're just gonna talk about this. We're gonna talk about Abraham. We're gonna talk about what God has taught me through Abraham through Romans four twenty and 21. So if you would, please join me in prayer before we dive in. Lord, we praise you. We praise you for who you are. We praise you for your word. Your word, God, the well that never runs dry. The sword that proceeds from the mouth of Jesus. A lamp to our feet. A light to our path. God, we praise you for your kindness and your goodness in giving it to us. And so we ask that you would teach us that these would be your words, that this would be a continuation of worship, this would be a continuation of praise, as we celebrate who you are and as we submit to you in light of who we are and who we are called to be. In all things, God, as always, get rid of me. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we've got Romans 4, 20 to Abraham, who I have grown to love studying his life, uh, just just looking at who he is, who he was, what he did, what he said, how he behaved, when he got it right, when he got it wrong, things like that. And there's a passage in Isaiah that tells God's people, like, "Hey, look to the rock you were hewn from. Look to your forefathers. Look to Abraham. Learn from him." And so when, when Romans 4 hit me a couple years ago, I just started looking to Abraham. Okay, let's look at his life. Let's look at what does the Bible say about him. And in Hebrews 11, we have some awesome passages about Abraham. Uh, so if you would, if, if you are physically able, would you please stand out of respect for the word of the Lord? We're going to be in Hebrews 11, starting in verse 8. We're going to read a few verses at verse 8, and then we're going to jump down to verse 17. So this is Hebrews 11, verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. And then we jump down to verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, And he who had received the promises was in fact, it was in the act of offering up his only son of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. You can be seated. I mean, talk about a crazy life. Talk about a life with unexpected twists and turns, probably some scary moments, incredible moments. I mean, just, and this is, I'm always wary of straying too far into this, uh, imagining what people in the Bible were thinking or feeling, but just for a moment, consider we don't have to imagine, we don't know what it feels like. None of us can even imagine what it feels like because none of us have received a promise even remotely close to this. But consider the shock and awe and amazement if God said to you, like, hey, through you, through your lineage, I am going to bless the nation. Right, like like more than the sands on the seashores, that's gonna be your generations to come. Abraham had a a crazy life. And throughout it we see that Abraham was a man of faith. He wasn't perfect. He didn't always get things right. He didn't always say the right things. He didn't always do the right things. He didn't always live out this faith in the best way. But honestly, I mean, there are a ton of people in the Bible. Like, there are. I don't recommend doing this because I think it would take a really long time and I'm not sure what the final goal would be. But like, how long would it take you to just tally every single person mentioned in the Bible? So if all of a sudden we have a chapter in Scripture breathed out by God that draws our attention to specific individuals, I think naturally, at least for me, I'm going to sit up and pay attention to that chapter. Like, okay, look, these names are a big deal. I mean, for them to get called out like that, like, why is God drawing attention to their life? And so we look at, at Abraham's life in these verses. And here's what God has taught me again. This is what God's been teaching me for, for the last couple of years. God has taught me that he needs to be the initiator of all my actions. Like, like the big stuff needs to come from him. The little stuff needs to come from him. The day-to-day, like the flow of my life has to be initiated by God. And sometimes that may look like big momentous callings, big momentous decisions, big momentous changes. Other times it's as simple as, I've said this before, my favorite Christian church trend are those WWJD bracelets. What would Jesus do? Like, but he must be the initiator of my actions. Verse 8, what did it say when it talked about Abraham? It said, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go. We are not the callers. I'm not the caller. The elders are not the caller. You are not the caller. We are the called. The call initiates with God. The call originates with God. Consider what else scripture says about this psalm 127 1 unless the lord builds the house those who build it labor in vain unless the lord watches over the city the watchman stays awake in vain that verse really hit me uh let's see when would this have been this would have been about january maybe a little bit later this would have been this year psalm 127 1 really hit me considering this idea as god's teaching me through abraham why Because the leadership in the church are called watchmen. If you go all the way back to the Old Testament, the people entrusted with leading the people in a specific period of time, a specific group of people, were referred to as watchmen. So one of the roles that you then see in the New Testament for the leadership of the people are like, hey, you're the watchmen. You're the ones with your eyes on the horizon, keeping a lookout, looking forward. I'm reading through Psalms, getting ready for our sermon series on Psalms. and I was like, Whoa. Unless God's the one doing the watching, the watchman watches in vain. There's just that constant reminder, that constant lesson of, like, oh man, if this is not initiated by God, if this does not originate with God in my life, the labor's in vain. Proverbs 16, 9, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Best laid plans of? Mice and men. What's the point of that saying? (laughs) <laughs> we can come up with whatever we want and there's no guarantee that it's going to play out like we think. Best laid plans of mice and men. The heart of a man plans his ways. This is what I'm going to do. This is the career I'm going to have. This is the family life track I'm going to have. This is when I'm going to buy my house. This is when I'm going to retire. Like This is my plan. God establishes our steps. It has to initiate. It has to originate with the Lord. Matthew 28:18 to 20, And Jesus came and said to them, to, to the apostles, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Once again, where does the go originate? With God, with Jesus' authority. The apostles didn't wake up one morning and say, hey, what, what do you, want? you want to go? You want to go make disciples? Yeah, let's do that. That sounds good. No, it originates with the Lord. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Teaching them all I have commanded you. The lesson has to begin with Jesus. It's now a running joke at this point with, with staff and elders. Like, I, and even with you guys, I've said this before. I really want to do a sermon series on Acts. I love the book of Acts. That was going to be our very first sermon series. I was starting January of 2020. We're going to start in Acts. And God said, no. I was like, okay, that's fine, Lord. We'll do your plan first, and then we'll jump into Acts. And then God said no. And God has kept saying no to Acts. So I don't know. Maybe one day we'll preach through Acts. But everything has to originate with the Lord. The call, the teaching, the day-to-day implementation. John 15, 4 and 5, why? Jesus is speaking. He says, abide in me and I in you. Not a little bit, not 20%, not like nothing, zero, zilch, zip, nada, whatever other word you can think of. Okay, okay, God, you're teaching me. The fruit, the fruit, whatever, whatever branch bears fruit. Where else does the Bible famously talk about fruit? Galatians, fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Hey, Lord, am I trying to bear this fruit without abiding in you? So I've had to look at my life in different times over the years and say like, man, wow, it feels like this one thing is lacking. I'm not not seeing fruit like that like I would want to. I don't know, maybe some of you can relate to that. I'm not seeing the fruit of peace like I would want to. I'm not seeing the fruit of gentleness like I would want to. I'm not seeing the fruit of faithfulness, of self-control. Like, maybe I'm not seeing this fruit like I would want to. And I've had to ask myself over these years, as God's been teaching me, like, okay, well, Sam, are you trying to bear the fruit on your own? Are you trying to manufacture it on your own? Or are you coming to me? Are you abiding in me? It goes back to the advice I received from five different pastors when I accepted this call, this invitation to come here, five different pastors said the single most important thing you can do as the pastor of that congregation is to place Jesus above all of those people. Because if you are not making your fellowship with Christ, if you are not prioritizing your walk with the Lord, your dependency on him, your time with him, if you are putting them above him in a desire to love them well, you are failing them. And so God, over the years, has been reminding me what it means to really abide and to rely on him to initiate everything. It goes back to what I shared when we were going through the Psalms and we we got to the Psalms of gratitude. And I talked about one of the things God has done in my perspective is, is flipping that, like being a parent has really helped me with gratitude. Because surprise, spoiler alert, for anybody who doesn't have kids, babies don't always sleep through the night. (laughs) Some of us are like, I don't always sleep through the night. And at first, I... Another amen, very good. At first, all right, well, here's an idea. For any of you who said amen to I don't always sleep through the night, right? Like, at first, I'd be like, I'm so tired, God, why am I awake? Why am I awake? Why can't I get sleep? And I was like, hey, no, no, no. Change that tone of voice why are you awake? What's the purpose? Oh, okay, yeah. Well, maybe God's giving me extra time for prayer. Maybe God's giving me extra time to sing praise songs to myself. Like really, abiding. Every moment, every second, abiding. The Lord has been imprinting this on my heart as I've been studying Abraham, and we see this in his life. And then you go back to verse 8. What else do you see in verse 8? says, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Hey, we're going on a trip. Ten days. All paid for. You just have to go on vacation. Free vacation. Cool. What should I pack? Not going to tell you. Because I'm not telling you where we're going. How many of you would that send your anxiety levels through the roof? If I was just like show up at the airport and we're going somewhere you don't get to know how many of you were like free vacation no thanks not if I don't know the end destination we're not told everything I I don't always like that I I just don't I like knowing stuff I like information I like facts fun facts and I like knowledge I like knowing the big stuff. I like knowing the fun things like, you know, William Potts. Anybody know why we should be grateful for a man named William Potts? He was a Chicago policeman who invented the traffic light. I looked that up one day because I was stopped at a traffic light, and I was like, man, that's a really smart idea. Who invented it? So I looked it up. That's pretty meaningless in the scope of things. I still like knowing it. I also like knowing the big stuff. like knowing, okay, God, it's 2019. I feel like you've called me into ministry. Uh, When's that going to happen? Could you tell me? Okay, God, this is happening. This is happening. like, could you you tell me this big stuff? I I don't always get to know. And I've had to, to learn to be okay with that. I've had to learn to say, okay, I don't know. How many of us I'm going to talk to the guys a little bit. I think this applies to everyone because generalizations tend to miss people, but in general, I mean, there's a reason why it's a sitcom trope, right? Guys, how many of you would rather take three hours looking for something at the hardware store rather than just finding an employee and saying, hey, I don't know what to do in this project. Could you tell me? I've got one guy who's honest. Literally, like, I would rather, I had to get married to stop doing this. We'd go, when we first got married, we'd go somewhere and be like, hey, I need this one thing. I don't know what it's called, but it looks like it. I'm just going to walk up and down every single aisle, examining every single product until I figure it out. And then my wife grabbed somebody with the vest on and was like, hey, this is what we need to do. This is what's broken. The guy was like, yeah, I can take you there. And it took us like three minutes. It was great. We hate saying, I don't know. I've had to learn to get okay with it. God's had to teach me to get okay with saying I don't know. Genesis 12.1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. That's it. That's all Abram got to know. Head that way, tell you when to stop, tell you when to turn. Consider John twenty one. This is John twenty one starting in verse fifteen. I love this passage. I mean I don't because it humbles me every time I read it but then I love it because I'm grateful that God is kind enough and patient enough with me to bring me back to this passage. John 21 starting in verse 15 when they had finished breakfast Jesus said to Simon Peter Simon son of John do you love me more than these? He said to them yes Lord you know that I love you. He said to him feed my lambs. He said to him a second time Simon son of John do you love me? He said to him yes Lord you know that I love you. He said to him tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. So there's grief in this, but there's also a really cool exchange here. I mean, Jesus is, is reinstating Peter in that mantle of the rock that I will build my church on. This is, this is a hard moment for Peter, but still a pretty cool moment for Peter. What do we see in verse 20? Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who also had leaned back against him during the supper, and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? So Peter looks back and he sees John. So Peter and Jesus are having a private conversation, one-on-one. Peter turns, he sees John. Jesus has just told Peter, hey, like, you're going to feed my sheep, but you're going to die in this manner. This is how your life's going to go, Right? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Peter immediately, yeah, but what about the other guy? What, I mean, I'm going to die, not a great way. What about him? Listen to what Jesus says to him. Jesus said to him, If it is my will that he remains until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. That's the most polite mind-your-own-business I've ever heard. Peter didn't get to know. Jesus was like, what? what? If, he, if he's going to remain alive until I come back, what does that matter to you? What relevance does that have on your calling? You follow me. I called you to follow me. Don't worry about him. You don't need to know. That's not your decision. Acts 16, 6-7. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mycenae, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. That's one of the reasons I really want to do the sermon series on Acts. Because you just see these incredible Holy Spirit dependency moments. Where they're like, hey, we want to go here. Is it a bad thing? Here's the answer. The answer is no, okay? I don't want anybody to feel bad about getting this wrong. Is it a bad thing to want to share the gospel with people? No, they want to share the gospel with Asia. And the Holy Spirit says, nope, not now, not yet. So then they're like, okay, we want to go to Bithynia." and the Holy Spirit's like, nope, not now, not yet. It says the spirit of Jesus forbade them. Now the gospel got there, those people heard the message in God's timing, in God's way, in God's plan with the people he was sending there. They didn't know, they just knew, okay, God said no, so we're gonna go here instead, we're gonna do this instead. We're not told everything. God said to teach me through Abraham to be okay with that. What else do we see from Abraham's life? Go back to verse 10 as we wrap up the the first chunk of by faith. Why does Abraham do all this? What's it say in verse? It says he's following God. He's going where he's not knowing. Where is Abraham's perspective and focus? Verse 10 For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. God's been teaching me that, look, the the initiation can't come from me. The information's not mine to fully understand or know. Stay on target. Stay on target. Abraham's eyes were forward. They were looking at the city whose foundation is laid by God. Stay focused. Do not lose sight of the calling. Consider these verses. These are verses that God has been just bringing me back to again and again. Colossians 3.1 says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Seek, we've talked about that word so many times, the act of intentional ownership of seeking. Hebrews 12, 1-2 Uh, about a culture of relentless pursuit. That was one of the verses that defined that. Set aside everything that so easily entangles. I mean, there's so much packed into that, right? Like easily entangles. It's hard. It's hard to remain focused. It's hard to remain diligent. It's hard to remain seeking. It's hard to remain in that intentional ownership, that relentless drive forward, keeping our eyes forward. But we set it aside. We make that decision. We take ownership. We, we follow through. Why? Because our eyes are on Christ. Our eyes are on the finish line. We do not lose sight of the purpose. We do not lose sight of the calling. Revelation 2, verses 2 to 4. In Revelation 2 and 3, we see an unbelievably beautiful moment where Jesus is directly addressing some of his churches. And to the church in Revelation 2, he says, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. What a commendation from Christ. Hey, I know it's hard, I know it's exhausting. But you're enduring. You are patiently enduring. You are clinging to truth. You are setting aside the falsities. I mean, Jesus is giving these incredible commendations to this church. And then what does he include? But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Man, you talk about a mood shift. You talk about a perspective change. God, I'm doing the right thing. I'm clinging to truth. Like, there's a lot that the church is commended for. Jesus gives them that. But he says, hey, look, but I have this against you. That's not the full picture. You've abandoned the love you had at first. Like, Sam. Man, if you're going to be holy, you've got to stay on target. You cannot lose sight of the love you had at first. Anybody ever heard the phrase church camp high? It's what we talk about when you know students go away to church camp. And they're all excited. They just got saved. Maybe they got saved like a week before church camp. And now they're going on like, this is awesome. They came back. They're all fired up. They're all pumped up, right? Like, what a great time. And and the week after church camp, they're like, hey, listen, lost friend, you got to know about Jesus. I got to live differently. I've got to live for him. I have to look like him. I have to tell people about him. And then two weeks after church camp, and they're like, hey, lost friend, oh, come, no, okay. And then three weeks go by, and they're like, yeah, whatever. Church camp high. How many Christians go through church camp highs? Oh, that was a great sermon. I'm all fired up. I get all fired up. I listen to podcasts. I listen, I read books. I listen. like, wow, that was a great. Wow, what a great article. Like, let's go do something. Uh, that was a really crappy phone call. Uh, that person wasn't interested. Like, I mean, church camp high. Stay on target. God has been has been teaching me this so aggressively and deliberately over the last several years. Do you know how many people died while I was talking so far today? Do you know how many people are going to die while you're eating lunch this afternoon? Do you know how many people are going to go to hell today? Hey guys, come on, come on! You look at the numbers of lost people in Richland County. We make so many assumptions. This is a pretty church, right? Like we're we're like Northern Bible Belt. I mean, I passed seven churches just to get here. I'm sure Richland County's all for Jesus. Oh man we've forgotten the love we had at first, if we're not loving people, if we're not standing for truth, because that's love. If we're not willing to confront people with the reality of, hey, look, you're a sinner just like me. You need Jesus just like me. we forgotten the love? Have we abandoned the love we had at first? I get it. Life's hard. Life is wearying. (laughs) I get it. But if we're not waking up and saying, Lord, I love you. I want more of you. I want to look more like you. Teach me. Lead me. We've got to stay on target. Jesus is the target. Conformity to his character is the target. Conformity to his mission. Ownership of his mission. Desiring his kingdom. That's the target. That's where Abraham's eyes were set. And God has slapped me across the face and said, Don't you dare place your eyes anywhere different. This is what he's been teaching me through Abraham. Jump down to verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. What's it go on and say? He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead. Don't miss that detail. Abraham assumed that Isaac was dying on that mountain. Abraham assumed, he's like, Isaac's dying. But God promised me that through Isaac, my offspring would be named, so I'll consider that God can raise him from the dead. We may not understand it all. This kind of goes back to we don't get to know everything, but this is even more so about the logistics. We may not understand all the logistics. Well, how is this going to work out? Okay, Okay, I accept that I don't know where I'm going, But at least tell me how I'm getting there. Like, is this one flight, two flights, connecting flights? Are we going out of the country? Do I need my passport? Like, what's going on? We may not understand the logistics. We may doubt the logistics. We may look at what we perceive to be inadequacies and deficiencies and get consumed with those and start to question what God is doing. I love the new faces that we see on Sunday mornings over the last couple of years. I love it. I've loved getting to know you, new people, and get to make new friends. Don't get me wrong, I love getting to know the people who have been here since before a couple years ago. But it's fun seeing new faces, right? You enjoy making new friends. I also see all the faces who aren't here. I feel that. I feel the pain when we, we stop seeing a family for six months. They stop answering my texts. They stop, they stop replying. And then I finally hear from someone else, oh yeah, they're going somewhere. Like, I feel that. I know you guys do. It hurts. It's hard. It's hard looking at what we perceive to be deficiencies, what we perceive to be losses. And they may be. I'm not trying to belittle any of that. But look at what God says in Scripture. Look at what God's people say in Scripture. Exodus 4, 10 to 12. But Moses said to the Lord, so the Lord has just called Moses to go speak to Egypt. Moses said to the Lord, O oh my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Moses is looking at the, the deficiencies. He doesn't get the logistics. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. Judges 6, verse 15. The Lord appeared to Gideon and said, Hey, I'm going to use you to go conquer this this nation. And, And Gideon said, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Gideon doesn't get the logistics. He's looking at the deficiencies. And the Lord said to him, but I will be with you and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. Matthew 1416 to 18. Massive crowd of thousands and thousands of people. They're hungry. It's mealtime. The apostles say, hey Lord, a lot of people, mealtime, send them away. But Jesus said to them, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, we have only five loaves here and two fish. They're looking at the deficiency. They're like, God, this math does not add up. Uh, Yep, more than five. Jesus said, no, you feed them. And they're like, "Uh, here's the deficiency. And he said, bring them here to me. See, every time I start to get distracted by the logistics And we have to think about logistics, right? Like, we we do have to consider that. We can't be naive. Scripture says, who among you before sitting down to build a tower does not first sit and count out the cost. So we we think of logistics. Every time I start to get obsessed with logistics, every time I start to get too focused on logistics, God reminds me of Abraham. And he reminds me of, hey, look, he knew what the promise was. He knew what God asked him to do, so he was going to follow through even if he didn't get the logistics. Why? What did we see in all of those instances? What did we see in Exodus 4? What did we see in Judges 6? What did we see in Matthew 14? What is the solution to every time our feeble, finite mind cannot comprehend the logistics? The Lord said, no, I made your mouth. I made your tongue. He said to Gideon, no, 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 I am with you. Jesus said, no, 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 bring it to me. See, the other thing that God has been drilling into me, drilling into my mind, is that never, ever, ever, forget his sovereignty. Remember his sovereignty. Depend on his sovereignty. Abide in his sovereignty. We see this. We see this this with Abraham. We see this in Scripture. Job 42.2 Job is speaking. He says, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Psalm 147, 4 and 5, he determines, speaking of God, he determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. Isn't it comical when we're like, oh, we discovered a new star and we named it. God had that named well before you ever came along. Like, really think about that for a second. When we pat ourselves on the back, like, hey, we built a a telescope that found a new star. Here's its name. God's like, I named that star before time began. He numbers the stars. He gives them their name. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. Isaiah 45 verses 7 to 9, this is the Lord speaking. He says, I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. Shower, O heavens, from above, and let the clouds rain down righteousness. Let the earth open that salvation and righteousness may bear fruit. Let the earth cause them both to sprout. I, the Lord, have created it. Woe to him who strives with him who formed him a pot among earthen pots. Does the clay say to him who forms it, what are you making or your work has no handles? I mean, back up, right? When we're focused on deficiencies, when the pot's like, "Uh, hey, potter, don't have handles. The potter's like, because that's not your call. This is who God is. John 5, 21, For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Sanctification's intimidating. Yeah? be holy as I am holy, I gotta be honest, if you say that's not a little bit intimidating, I think you're lying. Or you haven't really contemplated the true holiness of God. God says, be holy as I am holy. That's a huge order. Wow. I'm I'm supposed to make every effort? What? What? 1 Thessalonians 5, May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. God's sovereign. Do I always understand everything that's happened? Nope. Do I like everything that's happened? Nope. Do I like a lot of what's happened? Yep. Do I understand sometimes why the good stuff happens? Nope grateful for it, doesn't always make sense to me, but I don't have to know everything. I have to know what the caller, the originator, the initiator, I have to know what he has called me to do. You have to know what he has called you to do. You don't have to understand it. You don't have to know the end result. I just have to obey. I just have to follow. Follow. I have to surrender. I have to abide. I have to be like Abraham. This is what God's been reminding me and teaching me. So this is a chapter that God has been using to do that. This week, let's all, like I said, if you know these lessons, if you're like uh, kind of disappointed that Sam had to figure this stuff out or learn this stuff deeper, don't read Habakkuk 3. If you can relate to any of this, I'd invite you to read a chapter that God's been, been using to teach me this, this time frame, being called into ministry. So let's read Habakkuk 3, and let's pray as led by Habakkuk 3. I really love what we're seeing in, in the prayer life of this church, the depth of it. I love hearing the different prayers on Sunday mornings, and, and when we get together at Bible studies and things like that, we've been, we've been using the Acts model, adore, confess, thank, ask, supplication, a huge component of, of prayer is scripture. And so with that Acts framework in our mind that we've been internalizing, that we've been processing, that we've been building, weaving into the culture of this body, now let's, let's also make sure that we are allowing God's word to lead our prayer. So pray is led by Habakkuk 3. And then the reflect question, again, this is what I've been asking myself almost daily. Lord, today, how do I need to grow to be more like Abraham cool, it's Tuesday. How do I need to grow on Tuesday to be more like Abraham? Sweet, Wednesday. What do I need to do on Wednesday to be more like Abraham? That's that's where I've been for a couple years. Uh, this is one of the, the verses that God has been using to, to sharpen me, to cut away rough stuff. There's still more cutting to do. But I, I've really been blessed and encouraged by Romans 4, 20 to 21. And so please join me in prayer and we're just going to allow Romans four twenty to 21 to lead this prayer. Lord, we thank you that you are faithful. We thank you that you are a rock. We thank you that you are a sure foundation, a tested cornerstone. I mean, if any of us are able to be unwavering in faith, it's because you are unwavering. And so we praise you for this about you that you have made yourself known in these ways to us. So Lord, may you find us unwavering in our faith. Lord, you are worthy of all praise and honor. You are worthy of all the best we can give. You are worthy of our everything. We have entered into a covenant with you where we have committed to you our everything. So Lord, as you lead us, as you keep us firm in our faith, may we come. Give glory to you. May we consistently give glory to you. We thank you for your promises. We thank you that you have communicated to us, that you have taught us, that you have told us, that you have given us these truths. Lord, may we know them. May we live by them. May we live in light of them. Lord, we thank you again for your faithfulness. We come back to your faithfulness. Lord, when we look at the testimony of your people from before our lives even started, going back to Abraham, Lord, we see your faithfulness. And so, Lord, may we be like Abraham, resting confident that you will do what you have promised in our lives, in our corporate lives, in our individual lives, in this world, in this town. We thank you that you have called us to be a part of it. God, may we follow you in that. So, Lord, for my life, for these these people's lives, may no unbelief make us waver. May we grow strong in our faith as we give glory to you. May we be fully confident that you will do what you have promised.